It is Sunday, and if you're hearing this show when it's not Sunday, it means it's a pre-recorded already. You, you've missed your chance to be able to call into the show and join us on the air, but you're listening to the Tamariona Show here at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. And it is Sunday, a beautiful afternoon here, and Israel is entering now its week of more national holidays. We have Yom Hazikaron, which is Israel's Memorial Day f- for our fallen soldiers and victims of terror. And as well, of course, Israel Independence Day. And uh, it differs a, a bit from how the United States, if you're from the United States, uh, how they celebrate. And we're going to be talking about Israel Independence Day, what it means, and where we were 75 years ago, because Israel is this year 75 years old. It's its 75th birthday for the modern state of Israel. We're going to be talking about what the demonstrations in Israel are all about as well. You know, a little bit going on here. It's a live state. There are different opinions. We're democratic and you can still have uh, different opinions here (laughs) in Israel. We still have that freedom and people are expressing it on the streets. Our guest is Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem. He's a researcher, former lecturer at Ben-Gurion University. He's authored over 80 uh, 90 books, over 90 books, and 400 research papers on science, history, and more. He commentates on Mideastern world issues. He also has served in the Israeli army, even under Ariel Sharon, who's a former general and prime minister of Israel. And uh, he has what to say about what Israel is going to be experiencing this week. So I want to welcome you to the show, Dr. Mordechai Ben Menachem. Thank you. All right. It is good to have you on. And Israel celebrates its 75th birthday for the modern state of Israel, I should say. Where would you like to start? Well, uh, let me begin by by discussing um, sort of a a dual prong thing. First of all, in terms of the um, the um, what, what you just described, the 75th birthday of the modern state of Israel, I shall permit myself to mildly rephrase that um, rather than call it the modern state of Israel. I use the term in my newest book, which came out just just prior to Pesach, Passover. the third Israel Commonwealth. The first Israel Commonwealth was, of course, the time of the kings, basically uh, David and Solomon, because then after them uh, it split up. Uh, it still existed, but it did split. The second Israel Commonwealth was the time of the Hashmonaim, or what we talk about in, during Hanukkah. Um, and the third Israel Commonwealth is today, what occurred in 1948, Tashach, uh, 75 years ago. And so in the title of my newest book, I say the third Israel Commonwealth, but the book is not just about the founding of the state, because that's simply a, a, a technical matter in terms of, uh, of my view of things, as I take a rather longer-term view than perhaps most people. And I call it uh, subtitled The Biblical Philosophy of Israel Nation Statehood. And just to put that into perspective, when I discuss Zionism, I'm not discussing Theodor Herzl, with all due respect to him, and, had a role, and he was, uh, uh, and his role was sig- of significance. But um, Zionism, 
began basically with the Torah and was enunciated uh, uh, very, very clearly by the prophets, by the Nevi'im. And my book discusses the roots of Zionism from 2,500 years ago. That's a rather different perspective than most people talk about these things. Okay. <laughs> um, so on the one hand, I'm going, uh, that, that's, that's the one prong. And the other prong is these present demonstrations. When a, if we look in terms of general um, historical processes over the world, not just concerning us, but in general, um, in many, many cases, there are similarities to what happened with us. There's something which is called a brit goral, uh, a, a uh, covenant of, uh, how do you say that in English? Um, a covenant caused Fate. by something that, that, that that's sort of forced Fate. upon a people from the outside. Fate. Sorry? Fate? Mm, no, I wouldn't call it fate. Fate in terms, fate, I think, infers something else. I'm saying, I think it's forced upon it from, from outside. In our case, of course, from the um, uh, horrible actions of the uh, of the uh, 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 Christian populations around the world, not just not in 1940, but uh, uh, throughout the last um, thousands of years, at the very least, from the time of the Crusades. So that's the Bricoral that caused a a process both around the world concerning Jews and within the Jewish people which culminated in that sense with the founding of the state of Israel. So that's, that's the, on the one hand. On the other hand, uh, uh, um, we also know that when, these, when this kind of thing occurs with any people, uh, uh, obviously with the Jewish people it was a, a much longer process than with, with most people, but we saw the similar things happening in, in the United States, for instance, after something on the order of three generations, there is some sort of a civil conflict, we'll call it. That's to say a, a conflict within the people. In the United States, it, uh, uh, it resulted in a horrible civil war, a violent uh, upheaval of civil war. Um, uh, and that's not necessarily the case, but that has been the case in many countries around the world over, uh, throughout history. Um, on the order of three generations, and we're seeing here in Israel, indeed, after three generations, the Brit Goral begins to uh, uh, um, basically weaken and fall apart, while the new Brit, the new covenant, covenant between the people, the new agreement between the people, the various factions, and every people has factions within it, of course, the new the new agreement between the factions has not yet yet coalesced. Okay, and that's where we are today as a people and as a nation. All right. Do you want to start out with history of uh, more history of the uh, beginning of the modern state here, seventy five years ago, or do you want to go to the demonstrations that Let's are happening? Let's jump to the, the demonstrations because I think um, we only have a few minutes until the break. And we can discuss that, and then after the break, we'll we'll we'll, we'll go to other uh, aspects of it. Okay. You know, so th th there was a recent article written by uh, a, a gentleman by the name of of uh, of Liel uh, Leibovich, who is an expatriate Israeli living in the United States, uh, and he is the editor of a 
uh, an online magazine called Tablet, which I trust that many people are familiar with. It's a reasonably good good magazine. Um, uh, it has some, like most magazines, it has some articles which are very good, some articles which are reasonably good, and some articles which are basically foolish, like any like any journal has all the size. This particular article is very interesting. The title of it is Zionism's Moment of Decision. And I, I will say at the beginning that I am not, uh, Liel and myself are not in agreement. His title of the article is superb and is spot on, but I'm going to read certain excerpts from it and we'll see how okay. he, he's, his, his view of things is very, very different from my own. And I will say... Um, uh, uh, All right, uh, go for it. Just go for it. We don't have a lot of time. <laughs> Okay. Um, uh, uh, okay. So first of all, I'll begin with the, the the opening of his article. Having just returned from Israel, the country where I was born and grew up, and of which I'm a proud citizen, I apologize for being the bearer of bad news. There will be no easy, sane, or rational end to the pro protest movement that erupted in response to the ruling coalition's proposed judicial reforms. In fact, the content of those reforms has ceased to matter to anyone involved on either side. The government's promise to temporarily halt the legislation, convene a broad-based committee tasked with finding a compromise under the supervision of President Herzog has barely registered with the protesters, and one major member of the opposition, the Labor Party, has already quit the negotiations. Close quote for now. Okay, okay. I, I just want to insert something here. And, it, it, you know, it's like a cancer. The reason it's not stopping is because it's still being fed by funds from outside of Israel, by by uh, in the international community that has designs on Israel. And when you keep feeding the, the cancer, it just it doesn't die. It keeps growing and growing and growing. Go ahead. I, I, in terms of mechanism, I'll disagree with you there. I think that is a um, uh, 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 an aspect, but that's not what's really causing things. I think that's not what's really behind things. See, it's much deeper than that. And it really is a question of what the real focus of these demonstrations is. And I'll get to that in a moment, if okay. uh, probably after the break, but I'll get to that very soon. Um, let me just go over what he said here. First of all, I'll start from the end of his statement, of this statement that I read out. One major member of the coalition, the Labor Party. Well, the Labor Party is not a member of the opposition. They did not get in sufficient votes to even get into parliament in this last election. The Labor Party is basically erased. So the fact that the Labor Party is in the negotiations is simply an absurdity caused by the um, uh, the movement that is causing all of these issues and not by any real political causation. Okay? Um, and he says, uh, the country where I was born and grew up, in which I'm still a proud citizen, he's a proud citizen, but he's not, uh, uh, he doesn't seem proud enough to actually live here. Okay, we're going to have to continue this after the break. I have a lot I want to say. We'll be right back, everybody. Israel News Talk Radio, straight talk from Israel. Hello, listeners. My name is Gila Perah Hirsch, and I live in Israel, and I love it here because in Israel, I can feel the hand of God brushing my cheek. 
Hi, my name is Arnie. I'm from Jerusalem, and I love Israel because it's my happy place. My name is Hannah. What Israel represents for me, freedom to be who I am, and all the other amazing things that small country had accomplished. It just makes me so proud. Thank you, Israel. Hi, my name is Morris Klein from Melbourne, Australia, and I love Israel because I'm Yisrael Chai. Hi, this is Michal from London originally, Nanatania. The reason I love Israel, I would probably say Israel, where every Jew feels at home. Hello, this is Harold from Jerusalem, Israel. I love living in Israel because my inside life and my outside life are one and the same, and they blend smoothly and uniformly with each other. Here at the Tamar Yonah Show on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com, Israel is celebrating its 75th birthday this week, and we're talking about the origins of the modern state of Israel back in 1948 when we established ourselves as our guest says the Third Israel Commonwealth, and we are talking also about what's going on in the body of Israel. There is a uh, I won't say a disease, but <laughs> there, there are uh, there's tension between uh, two parts of the the, the uh, population. One has one vision, the other has another vision. And take it from there, Doctor Mordechai ben Menachem. Okay, so let me again begin with talking about the vision of the other side, the part, the side that I'm not a part of, and I, I'm attempting, very, very strongly attempting to. Um, uh, uh, represent their view fairly, even though I disagree with it totally. And their view is basically the following. The question that's be, that is before us is, is Israel a Jewish state or a state of Jews? Is it some sort of a, uh, a container for Jews to be able to live in comfortably, but the, the, the Jewish part of it is only incidental? Or is an actual Jewish state a state which uh, uh, has as its basis Jewish values? And I think what you people, nailed it. Uh, yeah, I think what people realize is that I'm on the side of the concept of Jewish state. In other words, a state that is Jewish in its nature. And uh, uh, these these demonstrators and uh, and this article by Liel, and I recommend this article. I think the article is superb. The 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 uh, uh, Zion Zionism moment of decision is an excellent article. I disagree with it. Um, so. These people are saying, no, we don't really want a Jewish state. Um, and that's why they use terms that, that are highly insulting to, dis- to discuss uh, all of us other people uh, um, using all sorts of uh, very ugly epithets um, uh, to describe us, which are basically um, uh, uh, racist in nature, but not really racist in the same, in the same sense that, that other people look at racism in other parts of the world. Now it says this part part of this is the age old uh divide between the so called Ashkenazim and and, and Mizrahim or, or Ashkenazim and Sfaradim or whatever term you want to use. Um uh uh but this is an, an a mistake in terms of how to characterize it because I have very, very many friends who are absolutely Ashkenazim and they're on the side that 
I'm on. I'm on. Mordecai, go for the meat. I don't know what that means. <laughs> it means like make your point. I am. O- okay. <laughs> um, so the 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 divide here is not a divide that that is that in terms of either religious and secular. It's not it's not in terms of Ashkenazim uh, Sfaradim. The divide is conceptual. In other words, I have many friends who are uh, uh, like Benjamin Netanyahu, who is a, an, an Ashkenazi. He, he's a, 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 a secular person. He has nothing to do with the with that with with, with, the, with the so-called Mizrahim, except for the fact that he looks at things from the standpoint of a Jewish state, the state which represents Jewish values as its core. I, I, I would say he's a bit too pragmatic. That's what That's I would say. That's a question of taste. I don't, agree, I don't disagree or agree. Okay. I mean, I, I, think, I think you're certainly not incorrect, but I, I don't think that's central to the issue. Okay. The, the issue here is not Benjamin Netanyahu. It doesn't matter, for instance, if he steps down right now. Or, right. We've or had left-wing governments. We've had right-wing governments. But the, where are we headed? What is the raison d'etre of the state of Israel today? That, that's the central question that we're, tra- yes. that is, uh, that we're trying to decide, yes. that the, the people of Israel are trying to decide. And this is, remember, I said, I think it was in, the last, in our last uh, discussion uh, 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 last week when I said that basically the diaspora is, has ceased to exist. It doesn't really matter anymore. And they're totally out of this discussion because they're, they're, they're not a part of, they're not a real part of the state of Israel. And I know that uh, a lot of people in the diaspora, a lot of Jews or pseudo-Jews or past pastimes Jews or apostate Jews, whatever terminology you want to use, whether it's more complimentary or less complimentary, I don't care at the moment. And even and that includes people like Lee Leibovitch, who uh, uh, is a former Israeli, and he considers us still a proud citizen, as, as he said, um, they're not, a, they're not really a part of the conversation here. And they never will be. And that's what's really important here. They, they never will be. Until they decide to come to Israel as their homeland, to make Israel their home. So this is the basic issue here. This is why, first of all, why is this happening now? Again, as I said, about three generations have passed. Nearly all of the Holocaust survivors have past as well. Now we're in the sense of trying to define ourselves as a people. And that is a mighty uh, task. Um, And the issues of the judiciary and how it functions, that's not really the issue. That's a mechanism used by the other side, the so-called secular people. And again, that is an incorrect description. As I said, there are many secular Ashkenazi people who are on the the conservative side or the right-hand side, people who desire Jewish values. So there are many people that don't appear to be what's clearly what what the um um, um what what the what their appearances are. Mordecai, and I had a discussion just yeah. the other day with a very close friend of mine who's uh, 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 um, um, a Sfaradi, and he's on their side. He's on the other side. Mordecai, so again, may I pipe all in? All these normal lines have all been very much blurred. I, I want to pipe in if I can. If if you finish saying what you want to say for that, I, 
no problem. Okay. So I I, want to really just like get straight to the, you know, go past the meat even and go straight to the bone and present it like this. And you can agree or disagree, but I think you'll agree since you're a rabbi. But, you know, if I think that if the, if Israelis had a better education in Torah and in the Tanakh and knew the history better and not been fed what they're being fed all the time is that you stole the land from the poor Arabs, which is not true. They're the occupiers. This is all these cities, Jerusalem, um, uh, uh, all the names of these cities, Hebron, uh, uh, et cetera, et cetera, Beersheba. These are, these are names from the Bible. And, and, and this, is, this is when God gave the land to the Jewish people. It says it right in the Bible by the creator of the universe. So if we read and understood exactly what this land is, what it means to us, and why God did all of these miracles. We just celebrated the, the holiday of Passover. He made all of these plagues and all these miracles that the world has never seen before and has never seen since, not just to free us as slaves, but to bring us into the land of Israel, and not just to bring us into the land of Israel, but to be a light unto the nations. He gave us the Torah. He then he, he gave us, uh, put us uh, back in our homeland, which is the land of Israel, and he didn't bring us here in order, and I'm Speaking now in the words of Rabbi Meir Kahana, may his memory be for a blessing. He said, God didn't bring us here to be a Hebrew speaking Portugal. We are here to be the Jewish people in our holy land. And in order to emanate truth and light and godliness to the world. And if we're not going to do that, if we're going to try to lower our standards and try to become like Britain or the U.S., or Australia, or Portugal, or just to be a member of the international community and not lead the way, because we see how awful the world is today with Israel not leading the way. Look at look look at the the international international community where it's led the world. You have slaves today, slavery today. You have injustices. You have corruption. You have all of these things. But the light has to come out of Jerusalem. Has to come out of Israel and reach everyone. And if we're not going to be the people who we're supposed to be, and if we're not going to be the country, the nation here is not going to be who we're supposed to be, then, then there's, no, there's no reason even to have an Israel. And we saw in the Bible over and over again that whenever we did not listen to God and we took on the ways of the nations, we were sent enemies against us to persecute us until we did tshuva, until we repented and returned to God, and then we had it good, until we fell backwards again. So now, with the last minute and a half, you can weigh in. <laughs> well, first of all, certainly there's nothing that you said that is incorrect. But it, it, it goes way beyond that. We need to look at the mechanisms. We need to look at what's really happening, what's really occurring, and what changed in 1948, which I think, and this is my own personal opinion, this is what my book is about, um, I think that's what really matters right now. And I'll said very quickly before we get to the break, um, it, 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 the same thing, you know, we can go back to the, be- to the, 19- the beginning of the 20th century and there were people like this in Europe throughout. There was a movement among Jews, which Herzl was, one, was part of that movement to go to Uganda or to... Uh, secularize all Jews and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. That didn't stop the Nazis. There was a movement like this during uh, a thousand years ago at the time of the Declaration of the Crusades. That didn't stop the 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 the, the church from killing hundreds of thousands of Jews. But there was a movement like this in Spain 
before the expulsion. It didn't stop the expulsion. What is different this time? And what's different this time is that for the first time in human history, a clear majority of Jews want Judaism and not just the Jewish state. That was very beautiful, that last sentence. Uh, unfortunately, we have to go to a break again. But when we get back, I want to weigh in more on this issue. For people who have not been following me throughout the years, my father, who is a Holocaust survivor, he's 94 years old, maybe 96. We're not sure about his age. But uh, he fought in the War of Independence here in Israel after the Holocaust. So I have what to say, too. We're going to be right back, everybody. Don't go anywhere. Warning. Take cover. The Jewish Truth Bomb is here. The show that will explode all the false narratives and fake news. Join host Lenny Goldberg each week as he wires the news together and detonates it through biblical verses that will deliver a shockwave that will blow you away. Don't miss it. The Jewish Truth Bomb. Every Monday. Consumers are paying a lot for electricity, but they could be getting a little help. An Israeli company called Echo Wave Power says they're working on a technology for extracting energy from ocean waves and converting it into electricity. The company hopes to deliver sustainable wave energy solutions which have zero emissions, making them a planet-friendly source of energy. The company says their system is low-cost and low-maintenance, less expensive than coal and other renewable energy methods, including wind and solar. The Israeli electric company could be the final judge as they're going to perform their own test and, if successful, connect the Echo Wave Power solution to Israel's energy grid, making it the first time that electricity produced by the power of waves will be transmitted to Israel's national electric grid. For more information on the high-tech world today, visit IsraelTechTalk.com. With your INTR Tech Minute, I'm Bob Aiello. back at the Tamar Yonah Show on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Israel celebrates its 75th birthday for the modern state of Israel. And perhaps a question or the discussion should be, or the question should be not, uh, not how old Israel is, but rather who Israel is. So take it from there, Dr. Mordechai ben Menachem. Okay, let, let, let me explain the background to Tamar's question, because it's a very significant question, and it's a very basic question, okay? If we go back, for instance, to Hanukkah, the, the issue between the, the demonstrations today and the government is the exact same issue that we saw at Hanukkah. There is no difference. It's the exact same issue we saw at the, at the, in the story of Purim. There is no difference. There's no slight difference between the two sides. Uh, 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 the, the, the Talmud says, why did Am Yisrael, did the people of Israel have to suffer for the people eating at that, uh, 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 that foolish man's uh, uh, feast, speaking about Hashberos? And, and, and 
what we see time and again, Purim, Hanukkah, Crusades, Spanish expulsion, every time there was a small number of uh, uh, um, uh, uh, Jews who were convinced of the importance of uh, the basic importance of Judaism as a value system, as a conceptual system of how things should happen. Um, uh, if we, we, we speak in terms of, uh, um, uh, um, tell them the name of uh, Hadam, uh, who wrote in, in, in the, at the end of the 19th century, just, uh, um, uh, uh, how do you say it? Merely ushering scores of Jews to Eretz Israel would achieve li little, unless the Jews created a robust Jewish culture. Their experiments in self-government will produce just another diaspora, simply in a different place. So he was right. This was 150 years ago, near, practically. Okay, 1888. So this is this is there's nothing new in any of these ideas from either side. This is something that's happened all the time. What happened in 1948? That changed everything. And my claim is it's the biggest spiritual event to hit the planet in at least a thousand years. And what happened was the formation of the state of Israel, which culminated in double quotation marks, culminated at this in this last election when the um, uh, uh, the conservatives or the right or whatever you want to call us, the, us people here in, the, in that sense, managed to overcome the interferences, the, the multifarious interferences of, uh, of Europe and, and American State Department, and we managed to get a clear majority for the first time in Jewish history, for the first time in human history, a clear majority of Jews who want a Jewish state and not a state of Jews. And right. that is absolutely revolutionary, and that is the most significant part of what is actually happening here today. We now have a situation where there is no room for actual discussion of any compromise. That's the basic problem in on the technical side. Neither side really has room to compromise. Um, if, the, if the Jewish majority compromises, what do they compromise with? We'll accept people who are not actually Jews. That's what they're asking us to do. They want, uh, over the past year, uh, tens of thousands of new immigrants have arrived in the country who are not Jewish in any sense. Right. Well, they're, they're they trying to know. flood Israel just like they're trying to flood the United States with uh, yes. illegal yes. aliens and, and people who don't share American values, per se. Well, that, that's a debatable part. I don't know if America has values any longer, but that, that, we'll, we'll leave that aside for now. Um, uh, we're seeing the same process occurred throughout the United States. There is no real difference between what's happening here today, except on the social level, and what's happening in America today. Except in America, it's causing America to break up. Remember, if we go back to 1933, when the Nazi Party first, first came to power in Germany. Remember, the Nazi Party received 99% of the popular vote. They were voted in, 99%. No one had any um, uh, uh, um, uh, um, uh, conception that the Nazis did not mean what they said in their writings and in their speeches. Nobody thought that. Nobody sane thought that. 
Everybody knew what they were going to do. They didn't realize it would go as far as it did, but they knew the basic process of the Nazis. What did what was Hitler's basic message? That there is no real difference between God-given morality and man's morality. And man's morality can determine the right thing to do. If I believe I'm a good person, I'll be a good person. And that led him to murdering, basically causing the deaths of between 80 and 90 million people around the world. I, I want to jump in here. And I want to just give a, a, a very brief background to our listeners that they need to understand that, of course, the, the, everybody knows the story of Passover where we were slaves in Egypt and we were brought into the land of Israel and then we had our kings and then we were exiled. But I want to remind people that even when we were uh, exiled, there were always Jews living in the land of Israel. A minority, but there were always Jews here, and the majority of the Jews outside of Israel, which were outside of Israel, we've always yearned and prayed all the time to return to our land. We've never forgot it, and we've had terrible uh, tragedies and traumas happen to the Jewish people. You have the Inquisition, and you had so many things before that, so many things after that, culminating with the Holocaust where 6 million Jews were killed. My father, as I said, was a, is a survivor of the Holocaust. And he had to get here on a boat that the British, who were, had the mandate here, uh, would, were not letting Jews in. And they turned him away. They put him, he, he went to a DP camp, but he was finally able to get into the land of Israel. And then they, the, the Jewish people, I'm just going to make this very, uh, um, how do you say, goss, uh, in English, Mordecai. Um, um, crass. Crass. And really skip on history a lot. But basically, uh, the Jews have had it. We needed to have our own homeland. Nobody would take us in when we tried to escape Germany and tried to escape Europe. People, other countries would not let us in. And enough. And it was time. It was ripe for the people who had lost everything to now say we're making our own state of Israel. And there were people already from the late 1800s, the first Aliyah, we're already starting the foundations of a modern state of Israel. But it culminated after the Holocaust. My father fought in the War of Independence, and we made our own land. But uh, many of the Jews, many of the Jews were secular. Uh, it was, in, in Europe, many of the Jews were secular. Many were religious. And that divide continued here in Israel. And, and since then, it's been a, uh, a course of where is Israel going to go? Is it going to be a state for Jews or is it going to be a Jewish state? As, as kind of like what you said, Dr. Mordecai Ben Menachem. And we're culminating in that right now. And, uh, and I, I believe in what the Bible says, that the Tanakh, the, the Torah, says that we are going to be here. It is going to be a Jewish state. The Messiah, who is the Redeemer, someone like Moses, right? He came in, he redeemed the Jewish people. Well, we're going to have a Redeemer for the Jewish people and for the world, by the way, because the world is so corrupt. And this is going to happen. And I believe that Israel now has to set its sights on metamorphos metamorphosizing, if that's a word, from a uh, the the modern state of Israel now to a uh, Mashiach state, a state that's ready now for the Messianic era, ready to be redeemed, ready to have the truth come out and God's light and have a better world. The globalists believe that they're making a better world by 
throwing God out and we're going to decide what's going to happen because God's world is too messy for them. They, they don't like not having control. Now they feel that they have control. And this is a fight, a spiritual battle between not the, just the Jewish people and the globalists, but all Bible-believing people, all God-fearing people against the globalists who want to be like the Tower of Babel people. And with that, I'm going to leave uh, you to respond. Okay. First of all, a minor correction to something that you said. Not the, the, the so-called first Aliyah in, in, the, in the 1880s was far from the first Aliyah. I mean, there were, as you said, Jews lived here all the time. Jews were coming to Israel all the time. Um, um, we can look at in the in the, in the time of the Spanish expulsion, there was a a, a vast uh, um, uh, flux of Jews that came here, and at every time uh, every time before that, it all began essentially with Moses himself, where he says Hanan, where he literally prayed 515 times to God to let him personally come into the land of Israel, because his yearning. Uh, uh, so uh, for great. the land of Israel uh, was that was so powerful. Five hundred and fifteen separate different prayers to come here. Yes, until and God says, process, everyone knows, was not allowed. Yes. Yeah, but that's where it all began. The concept of yearning for the land of Israel as a basic part of our uh, um, uh, uh, psychic psychic constitution is that the right term? I don't know. I, I, um, Mordechai, I want to add something here because a lot of people don't know it, but people uh, are led to believe that that the Jews came here and uh, and threw out the Arabs and took over their homes, etc. And the fact is, is, you can go read by Samuel Clemens, a.k.a. Mark Twain, what he wrote about the land of Israel when he came on a visit, and he said how desolate it was. You From, from riding, riding uh, uh, his, his uh, horse and carriage from, from Jaffa, all the way to Jerusalem, he he barely saw a soul. There weren't Arabs no, no, here. Barely, the land he was okay, and the land was soul. barren. It was hostile, and God made it that way so other nations wouldn't come in. There were very few people even living anywhere in the land of Israel. A pocket of people here, a pocket of people there, and among those pockets, Jews as well. Okay, go ahead. Okay, and, and of course, again, everything you said is correct, but it's not just Samuel Clemens. Um, Ulysses Grant, the former president of the United States, was also a visitor to Israel at, that, at about the same time. And he's wrote the, similar things. He's a fascinating gentleman, by the way. If people actually read what he actually said, um, uh, he's disparaged by, by historians, but he's a fascinating man. Um, we don't have time to go into that. Um, and there were many, many others. In 1860, for instance, the British consul to Jerusalem wrote after having arrived in Jerusalem and, and living here for a few months, he wrote to his um, 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 uh, uh, um, bosses, if that's the right word, his superiors in the British uh, Foreign Office, saying, you did not prepare me correctly. This is a very important statement. You did not prepare me correctly. You had me study Arabic, but very few people in the streets speak Arabic. Everybody here speaks Hebrew. And you didn't prepare me pr properly. I don't speak Hebrew. That was in 1860. So that's long before the so-called first Aliyah, long before people like um, uh, Eliezer ben Yehuda uh, uh, um, uh, um, uh, came onto the scene. Hebrew was the spoken language in Jerusalem, the main spoken, spoken language in Jerusalem, and we have written testimonies of these things uh, many times throughout history. 
So your statement that Jews always lived there, of course it's correct. And not only that, but in many, many points in history, we were the clear majority in the land. When did we become a, a clear minority in the land? Basically only towards the coming of the British here. During most of the time of the Turks, from the time of uh, Suleiman, uh, Suleiman the, the Sultan at the time of the Spanish expulsion, until the end of the Ottoman Empire, Jews were pretty much on a parity or a slight majority in the land of Israel. And again, these things are documented. We can find the, the information. The, the propaganda that's put out is simply untrue. Right. So... Uh, 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 not only were Jews the majority, as I said, but Hebrew was the spoken language in the streets, as it was in many, many parts of the diaspora. And soon it, Hebrew it, will be spoken around the world. It already is. We already have today more than 25 million people around the world that speak fluent Hebrew. That's far beyond what the number that live here in the country. I have not heard that number. It's very interesting. Okay. Okay, well, think of how many, just, just to throw out a simple, a silly example, how many foreign workers have lived and worked in Israel for over a year and learned Hebrew? For instance, people who come in to help with elderly or, 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 or uh, agricultural workers. They learn Hebrew, they go back to their own country, they know Hebrew. I went to South Africa. This was in, 19, in 1988. And I, I, I go to the hotel and I, I go down to the dining room uh, uh, for the evening meal, and a, a, a local person, obviously very dark-complected, if I may say phrase it that way, addressed me in Hebrew. His Hebrew was fluent. So there are Hebrew-speaking people all around the world today. When I say 25 million, many of my friends tell me that I'm underestimating. Interesting. All right. Well, we have another so, few minutes left. How do you want to wrap things up? Okay, so we're talking about Independence Day, which is, of course, en enormously significant and significant for everyone, but it's significant for more than just the people of the state of Israel. Yes, we have a conflict now. Yes, it is, it's, 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 it's not pleasant. It's unpleasant. It's causing a lot of disruptions. It's a natural thing to occur. It's nothing to get overly excited about. It's certainly nothing to get sad about. It's a good thing that's occurring. I'm happy that these that these demonstrations are occurring. I'm not happy with the way they're occurring, but I'm happy that at our 75th anniversary, this issue is coming to light as it must, as it should, as was predicted by, how do you say it, Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Uh, thank you. <laughs> um, as he predicted, you can go to. Uh, 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 chapter 19 in his, in, in, in his writings you can find it there, he talks about it 2,500 years ago many times I read the prophets and I chuckle to myself and say, wait a minute, was this written two and a half millennia ago or was this yesterday's newspaper so if you actually read what they said and that's where all of this discussion begins for me and that's why I wrote a book which as I said was published just uh, 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 what was it? Two weeks ago. Um, that's where that's where the story really is. The story is not a story of the president. It's not an issue of Aaron Barak, 
who happens to be an, a, a, basically a, 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 an ass, a donkey, a fool, whatever you, what term you want to use. He's very intelligent. He does have a low IQ. He has a high IQ. He's a horrible person. But he's not a very smart person in terms of understanding the real processes and what is really occurring because anybody who really understands and also actually fights against God is at best a fool, if not even worse than that. You know, because this show is going to be played uh, in a loop with the, all of our other shows this week and, and we'll be taking off on, on Israel Independence Day, people are going to be with their families. Let me just uh, insert here how Israel celebrates more or less and feel free to jump in very quickly, uh, Dr. Mordechai ben Menachem. But on uh, Monday night and Tuesday begins... Israel's Memorial Day for its fallen soldiers and uh, remembrance of its victims of terror. We've lost a lot of uh, trying to hold on to our country, to our land. About, as... about 24,000, but again, that's counted from 1860, not 1948. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, each death is terribly painful. And uh, th- this, this uh, recognition of our fallen it brings on a day of somberness, and on Monday night, c- cafes, restaurants, places of entertainment, like uh, just like on Holocaust Day, the same thing, uh, movie theaters, etc., places of entertainment, they all close down, and the programming on the radio and television, etc., is changed. Instead of having any comedies, comedy shows, things like that, everything goes to documentaries or movies that talk about uh, the, 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 the state of Israel and how it was fought for and, and what we've lost, and we recognize these uh, soldiers and those who have fallen. And then there's a ceremony in Israel as well, held by the prime minister, and other dignitaries, and there's a visit by all of the families of the people who are buried in military cemeteries. It's a custom to go there, of course, and visit their fallen sons, their fallen husbands, or other soldiers, male or female, that died in the line of service for defending the country. And it's a it's a very uh, somber time, and we give that respect. We, as opposed to Memorial Day in the United States, which I remember growing up, they would have Memorial Day shopping centers and Memorial Day barbecues and picnics because it was a day off and people wanted to enjoy themselves. But that's not uh, here. We, we take it much more seriously, I believe. That's my opinion. And, um, and then as the day ends, because the days in Judaism start from the night and end and then end the, the following evening, that night after Memorial Day is over, there's another ceremony held on Har Herzl, Mount Herzl in Jerusalem, which is a beautiful televised ceremony where you have the army there with all the different branches represented, and there's a parade, and they, the flag that was at half-mast during the whole day is now raised, and they hand the flag over, and then we go into... Independence Day celebration. So before Israel celebrates its independence, we first remember those who gave their lives for the uh, state of Israel and for the Jewish people to have its own country. And I want to read something here. It's a meme that, that goes around all the time, and I just very powerful. It says, Jews have two memorial days. One, Yom Hazikaron, or Memorial Day, to remind us of the cost of having Israel. And the second Memorial Day is Yom HaShoah, Holocaust Day, 
to remind us the cost of not having Israel. So let me just read that again without explanations. Jews have two memorial days, Yom HaZikaron, to remind us of the cost of having Israel, and Yom HaShoah, to remind us the cost of not. And with that, I want to end the show, and I want to wish Israel a happy 75th birthday, and may we grow to be in the times where we will become a light into the nations all around us. We'll have the messianic era and it will be good for all people, not just the Jewish people, all people. You want to say any last word sentence? Um, there's a common error made by a lot of people, which I, I, I'll take this moment to correct. People think that when Jews talk about the way we, um, um, are intended by the Torah to um, uh, interact with other peoples of the world, they think we're, we're referring to something political or even economic. That's absolutely incorrect. What we're talking about at every time, at every moment, at every time that we talk about this is that we are meant to be teachers of morality. Of course, that means that our morality needs to be exemplary and, and it, not has not always been that way. We try, and that's why um, at the time of the Exodus, we were about 10% of the world's population, but we're only about one-tenth, one-hundredth of one percent today of the world population. So when you say light unto the nation, unto the nations, the intention is in terms of morality and not anything else. All right. Well, saying that again, happy 75th birthday to the modern state of Israel or to the third commonwealth that we, that we have here in your words, Dr. Mordechai ben Menachem. I want to wish you a very good time. And by the way, you're invited to my house for a barbecue. Everyone barbecues on Independence Day. It's a time where everybody gets together and, and people chill out and they get together with friends and family and we barbecue. It's a custom. It's a nice custom. And that's what I'll be doing as well. And I'll be seeing it's you, God willing. It's not a different kind of a party. Yeah. All right. Thank you, everybody, for being with us uh, here at Israel News Talk Radio. And I'll see you next week. <laughs>